This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Basically. Thank you so much before we start. Thank you for supporting the podcast and for bearing with me with the delayed BOMA this month. I asked you guys on Instagram if you had any questions uh, that I should answer for BOMA. So I have a list of those. Um, And also sitting here on this really, really sunny May day. uh, What day is it? Like middle, end of May. And feeling for the like for the first time this year, feeling like, oh, God, okay it might actually be summer soon. I don't know. We started off the year really well. Like January was lovely. Paddy's day was like blissfully sunny and then it just went downhill. But I'm definitely feeling like, oh, my God, I need a break. I need some sun and I need some warmth. And today I kind of have it, except now I'm in a windowless room recording this podcast. So we'll keep it quick and uh, we can all get back out into the sun. If you're listening to this in the rain, well, I'm sorry um, for being inaccurate. Uh, One of the first questions that I got was, what do you love most about your job? I love the podcast. Well done you. Uh, What do I love most about my job? I guess what I love most about my job is the fact that I am kind of my own boss. It's also kind of the thing I hate about my job, but it means that like, I don't have to work nine to five, Monday to Friday. Um, I have a bit of flexibility, which like particularly when my Nana was alive was really, really helpful because her appointments, her medical appointments went into my diary first and I worked my life around them. And now I like, for example, I'm working with the Cork Opera House at the moment and I'm uh, creating a new piece of work with them and two other writers. And so we worked um, last weekend all day Friday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And I know my own energy limits as an autistic person. Um, So like working with people who when I'm socialising. So we were working together, staying in a hotel and travelling on the train together. So it was just a lot of contact. They're really funny people and I had a great time. But I knew like on the Monday, okay, I'm I'm not going to be able to do much. So I was able to, you know, organise my schedule around that. And it's really important for me because I've I've done the sort of all day everyday work thing and it just makes me burn out I think it makes a lot of people burn out but if you don't have a kind of a freelance job or you are you know tied to a Monday to Friday 9 to 5 contract it can be really really difficult um, because often bosses don't really understand the idea of burnout or overwork and they think that you're just being lazy so it's hard to ask for what you need so I guess that's my favourite thing about my job and it does come at a cost though right because that's also the same thing that means that I don't have the same rights. I don't have a contract. I have to keep hustling for work. I don't get sick pay. I don't, you know, so there, you know, there's 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 benefits and what are, pros and cons um, to it. And sometimes I'm like, God, I just wish I could work for somebody else and take my money and go home and finish at five o'clock and not worry for the rest of the day. There's definitely something to be said for that. But... Uh, when I have tried that in the past, it hasn't really gone well. The next question is, why do you find it hard to keep friends? I wish I knew the answer to this one. Um, I'm not really sure. I think that... So I make friends very, very easily, um, usually quite intensely, and like we become very, very good friends very quickly. And then... And then something happens. I don't know. Maybe sometimes I'm too intense or sometimes I'm not intense enough. But um, I think people kind of find me novel at the start. And then the ways of communicating are different. I also find it difficult to socialise the way 
many women my age. I mean, I'm 35 now, so it's kind of changing. But, you know, like in your 20s and 30s, the way that you socialised going out to nightclubs, going out to bars, uh, going on holidays where there's no structure or routine, where you just kind of like go and see where the wind takes you. I can't do those things. Um, And so it means that you know, I want to meet my friends one on one and some people find that very intense and I don't like phone calls. I prefer like voice notes and some people like actually a lot of my friends that I have now prefer that as well. But, you know, it just means that sometimes you're incompatible with people. Um, And that's always been the case. I also think that a lot of neurotypical people think that politeness is more important than honesty. And a lot of autistic people think that honesty is more important than politeness and that can be a barrier. So sometimes I have to learn like, okay, so this person, you know, so say you have a friend and they're always talking about their boyfriend and how and they ring you after every fight or they voice note you after every fight and they're really upset and this keeps going on and on and on. Like for me, the logical thing is like, why we've talked about this so many times. Why are you still with this person? That's like you're being illogical staying with them but then I've learned from like losing friends over that kind of attitude that that's not what people want to hear Um, people want you to just listen to them and they want to make their own they're going to make their own decisions anyway and so you just kind of have to be polite but that can be that's not an instinct that I have naturally that's something that I've learned and so I don't intuitively know what to do in situations Um, so that can be a reason that it's hard to keep friends Uh. But it's quite a painful one and it's quite difficult to talk about because, you know, I'm talking to you sort of in vague terms. But while I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about actual friends that I've lost. And it's like, I really wish that I was still friends with that person. But for some reason, they don't want to be my friend. And I've asked them several times and we've tried to make up and I've offered to go for coffee with them and I've offered and 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 it's just not happening. And that that can be quite painful because um, when you really connect with someone and you really want to be their friend, it. It, it's kind of bruising when they don't want to be but you have to respect that boundary um, another question there from a follower what if any regrets do you have in life what regrets if any do you have in life god I don't know regrets I don't have many because I can't think of that many um, I suppose I regret not buying some bitcoin there about a decade ago <laughs> Um, I I don't, I have a regret that my Nana did. I wish that my Nana had, so after my granddad died, my Nana sold our mobile home, well, her mobile home, uh, which was in Wexford. And I wish that that hadn't happened because I'd like to still go there. But she was too sad after he died. She didn't want to go back there because obviously, you know, she associated it with him and that's fair enough. So she never went back. But um, I would like somewhere to be, uh, to, I like, I have happy memories down there. So I'd like to be going back there. What other regrets do I have in life? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe uh, I I do sometimes say that I regret not learning the piano as a child because I think I'd be good at it. But now it's not something that I feel like as an adult I could do. I don't know. If you guys are listening to this and you have a lot of regrets, will you instantly message me because I want to know what they are because I want to know what other people regret because I feel like maybe I do have regrets but I don't know what they are. Uh, so I would like some inspiration from you guys um, someone has met me here saying is being Jewish an ethnicity or a religion or both and Greg uh, who asked that question I've been trying to get a Jewish person on uh, this podcast because we've had Muslim we've had um, 
we had a Buddhist, we had a Catholic. So we did our kind of religious series and it's absolutely impossible to get um, a Jewish, so not just a random Jewish person, but, uh, you know, like when we, we did the Catholic episode, we had a priest. And when we did the Muslim episode, we or the Islam episode, we had um, an imam. So we had sort of like the priest of each religion. And we've been trying to get someone from the Jewish community, but we still have failed. On that, is being Jewish an ethnicity or religion? It's debatable. So the broad, I guess, belief is that you can actually trace Jewish people through their ethnicity. Like it is in their blood to be Jewish. Um, Judaism is a religion and anyone can practice Judaism. But Jewish people are an ethnic group and you can practice Judaism but some Jewish people would argue that that doesn't make you a Jew that it's it's inherited through the maternal line so even if um, a female non-Jewish person marries a Jewish man and they have Jewish children those Jewish children apparently like in some depending on how you know how orthodox or how deep into the religion you go some will believe that they're not fully Jewish people but uh, so it is kind of a race and an ethnicity and a religion. Um, but I'm still trying to get someone from the to, to explain it all to us. Lots of you were asking me about, are we looking at World War Three? I can't believe what they're getting away with in the Ukraine. Yes, I understand that it's hard to look at that and go, how is this being allowed to happen? Why is no one stopping it? Are we looking at World War Three? I, I can't predict that. Um, but certainly like there's a feeling like when you read books, history books about World War Two, and you see first of all this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then you know Germany invaded Poland that we're certainly seeing these steps that are aggravating and disturbing the peace in a way that could lead to a war um, Finland and Norway joining NATO that's certainly something that could you know be an escalating force um, for Vladimir Putin because the reason that Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine in the first instance was because Ukraine were threatening to join NATO and Putin doesn't want a NATO country on a border with Russia and Norway and Finland both have a very, very, very long border with Russia up there in the north and so if they join NATO his argument is the same and so he could potentially, nobody knows what he's going to do because he's not sticking to any sort of plan or tactic that's obvious to anyone. Um, but I can't obviously predict if it's going to be World War III. Um, another question, uh, as people asking about COVID, whether it's coming back, whether there'll be more um, boosters, I don't know. Um, maybe I'll get Luke O'Neill back in to see where we're at with the COVID situation. I'm interested in what's happening with this hepatitis thing. It's been a lot of cases of hepatitis in children across the globe. Um, one child in Ireland died of it. Six have had to have six have had it. Several have had to have liver transplants. Um, hepa is the is from the Latin word hepar, which is which means liver. And any disease you ever hear that ends in itis means swelling of or inflammation of. So hepatitis means swelling of the liver, inflammation of the liver, which is usually caused by a virus. Hepatitis A, B, C, D. Um, but the strange thing in these cases is that there is no evidence of the hepatitis virus in 
these children, but they are getting inflammation of the liver and they don't know what's causing it. They have ruled out, well, they can't find any link to either COVID infection or COVID vaccination because it's happening in so many children. And some of them have had COVID, some of them haven't, some of them have been vaccinated, some of them haven't. And so there doesn't seem to be a link there. Um, But that's sort of why they're alarmed and trying to get to the end of the question. Um, I also have a question saying, do you feel teachers helped you enough in school in regards to autism? Um, Michelle asked this question. I My teachers didn't know that I was autistic. I didn't know that I was autistic. And I think that some autistic facets in me were seen as, were seen to some teachers as very beneficial. Like I was very focused on academia and some of the parts that were difficult were just seen as like bad behavioural traits. So when I got overwhelmed in the classroom, when I would distract other children, when I found it hard to sit still, you know, those were seen as things that were like, oh, Stephanie's just being annoying. And I think if they had known more A, about autism and B, that I had autism, they may have been more, uh, what's the word, sympathetic towards it. Um, and then and then you also think like, would they though? Because objectively, like if you're trying to teach a class and someone isn't cooperating, that's going to be annoying whether they're autistic or not. The thing about it is that like in when I was in school, we didn't have SNAs that wasn't there was never an SNA or a teaching assistant in our classrooms. So that wouldn't have been an option. So I don't know the teachers. Some teachers were very patient. Um, but like since since the diagnosis, I obviously don't have teachers anymore, but I do have, you know, sort of medical people that I work with or um, even just colleagues. And everyone since the diagnosis has been much more patient and tolerant and able to understand me a bit better. So I think that if I extrapolate that out, yes, the information is really, really powerful. And the more you know about yourself and the more you can share with other people allows them to, you know, people are sometimes afraid, oh, I don't want to have a label. But like, if you don't have the right label, you're going to get a label. You're going to be labelled annoying, you're going to be labelled intense, you're going to be labelled weird or quiet or, you know, any any such label. But if they know what the actual label is, then they don't need to be sort of mystified by the whole thing. My next question is from a listener and it says, I'm a widow and I was wondering how to navigate my other life into a new relationship. Um, I don't I don't really know. Noel would be a better place to answer this. Um, but I know from like from my experience of being with Noel, it was just always there from the start, you know, like I've often said that like there's three of us in the relationship because it's totally different, like it's totally different being a widow than having an ex, you know, because the person who died, they didn't do anything wrong. It's not that you don't love them anymore. They're just not living. And so I think a lot of people who haven't had the experience, they feel like, oh, they shouldn't be talking about it in the relationship and there shouldn't be photos around. And, you know, you should be the person that they're focusing on now or in your case, in this questioner's case, like you should just be focusing on your new partner and moving on. And that's just all rhetoric that is focused on ex-partners, not late partners, because it's not the same thing. And I think that you need to be with someone who has enough room in their heart for, you know, more than more than just you and, and, and can accept that, like, you have a previous life and you love more than just them and that there's enough love in you for for them and somebody else. So I think open conversation, 
communication about it, but also asking them, like, are you comfortable if I talk about this? And if they say no, then, you know, maybe you can talk about why and, and phase it in. Um, but I definitely don't think that widowers or widows need to feel like their previous relationships must be kept secret or must be kept out of a relationship because it's not fair and it's not right in my in my mind. Um, and I think there are more gentle ways of navigating in a relationship. Hard to say without specifics, but that's what I think anyway. Um, someone saying, uh, what is your favourite brand of Jigsaw? Ravensburger are kind of the most satisfying because they're so well made. But actually, um, what is the name? Let me find the name here of... Um, Noel got me one recently that was from um, Eason. Eason's? Do we say Eason's or Eason? And uh, it was really good. The brand that he got me was Clementoni. And uh, I really enjoyed that. But mainly what I do is I order picture box. So I order jigsaws, which are made by Ravensburger, but they're photographs. So like I get a photograph of, you know, me and my mother at Christmas and I'll get that made into a jigsaw for her for her birthday or whatever, because it just makes it more interesting. And then you can frame them. And because I find that when I do jigsaws and I love doing them when I'm finished, I'm like, okay, well, what do I do with it now? I will rarely do the same jigsaw twice. So it's nice to be able to make them in to art in some way. Uh, Mary has asked me, do you believe in an afterlife? Do I believe in an afterlife? I think no. And then sometimes yes. So no, I don't believe in an afterlife, but I do believe in um, sort of talking to like sometimes I'll talk to my nana or I'll ask her something or I'll ask her to help me with something but I don't believe it's more like I'm summoning her spirit like what I know of her um, because I can sort of imagine what she might say in a situation because I knew her so well but I don't actually believe that she is somewhere looking at me um, I find that too abstract a concept um, because like heaven like what would heaven just seems so bizarre to me like what age would you be in heaven? If Nana was in heaven, she certainly wouldn't want to be 91. Like, that was not her best year. So, can you pick your own age in heaven? Like, do deaf pe- can deaf people hear in heaven? Can, you know, are children just children in heaven? Do they ever grow up? My idea of heaven and your idea of heaven might be totally different. So, when people say like, oh, in heaven you go up and you meet everyone that you've ever known and it's like a party. I'd rather, like, be in hell then because that would be hell so I just don't see how heaven can operationally be um, what it's meant to be so that's why I don't Um, and the last question is do you have any tips on how to stop procrastinating when studying I'm aware that I need to stop but it's getting worse do I have any tips on procrastination procrastination is so such a difficult thing to navigate I have it too and I think it's kind of a fear of sometimes I just feel like I don't have the energy for something or I'm going to hate it so much or I'm not going to get it perfect or it's going to be really difficult. And the first thing that I do to stop procrastination is I make a plan. And some people think that a to-do list is a plan and a to-do list is not a plan. A to-do list is a list of tasks. A plan is a plan of how to execute those tasks in a step-by-step way. And I find that like sometimes if I'm procrastinating, the the thing, the first thing I can do is open a Word document and write the title of the thing that I'm doing in it. So if you're studying, like you might, I don't know if you study with notes, but open the books, write down the thing and just say, I'm going to read two pages. That's all I'm going to do. Read the two pages 
and then leave. Just leave, get out. You, you've, you've done what you said you were going to do. Take a break and come back to it. That if you break it into chunks. Also, I find there's a thing called body doubling, which I don't know if this person has ADHD or autism or anything, but uh, body doubling is a really helpful thing for me, which is I will sit with someone um, who is doing something else. So just I find it easier to be with another person when I'm doing something. So me and my friend might, she might be doing her, she might be writing something and I might be doing my VAT return or she might be reading a book and I'll just sit with her and do what I need to do. That if there's two people concentrating on their own separate things, it can be much easier um, than trying to motivate yourself and try to discipline yourself to staying on task, which can be a really, really hard thing to do. Um I still have nightmares about the Leaving Cert and not studying, um, even though I did study for the Leaving Cert. Um, but procrastination is, it robs you of joy as well because you procrastinate all day so you don't do anything that day but you also didn't enjoy that day because everything you did, you did with this guilt of like, oh, I should be doing something else. So giving yourself days where you actively decide I'm not going to do anything today even if you have to do something just be like well I'm not going to do it today and I'll deal with consequences tomorrow and actually just enjoy that day off can mean that you are sort of more motivated and you know more rested for the following day but I'm not an expert on procrastination but body doubling helps me um, thank you so much for your questions and thank you for listening to another episode of BOMA. Um, I'm going to get Cahal in for the next episode of BOMA so you can get your questions into me if you so wish and we will deal with it when I record the next episode of BOMA. Thank you very much. Enjoy. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.